Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined us today. If you're a visitor today, we hope you found a great parking space, found your way into the worship space, and found a bulletin. If not, you can go uh, directly in the back. We have something that will guide you throughout our entire service. I want to introduce uh, uh, for the last time in terms of an internship, Garner Brooks. Garner has worked with us all summer long. He's uh, uh, unique in an internship in that he knows the organization inside out, worships here all the time. Um, But we've given him experience uh, with children, with youth, with adults. He got to come to finance and administrative council. That was exciting last Monday. He's uh, met with me and gained uh, large amounts of wisdom and knowledge beyond... (laughs) Yeah, mm-hmm, right? It's been, um, he's been perfect. He's done everything we've asked him to do. He's exceeded our expectations. Um, it's been a perfect summer, and while we're um, uh, sad to see him go in terms of this role, uh, we'll still continue to see him uh, in worship and, and wish him well as he starts a new school year. But the last thing he's going to do in terms of the in- internship is participate in the worship leadership of this service. So uh, take it over. All right, uh, welcome to Memorial today. Uh, We're excited that you're here if you're a visitor. Uh, Well, for anyone, but particularly visitors. Uh, And one important announcement, uh, bathrooms are in the back at any point during the service. Um, And I just wanna thank Joe and Aaron and everyone that I got to work with uh, during this internship. It's been a great opportunity to learn some just true wisdom (laughs) and knowledge that will stay with me for years. And it's just been a wonderful opportunity And I'm going to hand it back over to Joe and Aaron for more announcements. I'll tell you very quickly, we like to frame our announcements in the five practices of fruitful congregations. You'll see the bulletin uh, announcement shaped that same way as well. You'll see our bulletin boards on on the outside of the sanctuary uh, in that vein as well. And the first thing I'll say about Radical Hospitality is we're kicking off with youth tonight. Youth are the only uh, uh, age group that have programming tonight. At 5 o'clock, we're playing gunk ball which is baseball, but each base is an enormous kiddie pool filled with something disgusting uh, that you'll step in as you come to the base. Uh, So we encourage all youth to come, anybody who loves sports, uh, to bring your tailgating chair and watch them step in something disgusting. Erin? Good morning. Uh, I can't match that, but I do have something exciting to share with you. Um, Our first supper at 6 of the fall will be on September 6th. That was a lot of sixes in one sentence, as well as S's. Um, but please mark your roster if you'd like to join us for that meal. It is, um, like I said, September 6, 6 o'clock. The details are in your bulletin. We'll be square dancing this time. I think that will draw some of us. That might scare some of you. Don't be scared. Come and watch if you don't want to participate. But it'll be a good meal and a chance for fellowship. Uh, we also strive to practice passionate worship. Um, I see Abby out here. Um, I want to share some new things we're going to do for baptisms from now on. So um, in a minute, Abby and her family will come up. um, But now people will get a cross when they are baptized that is made from the stained glass that used to hang in this very church. Um, So these uh, for the baptisms are a little smaller than the ones you may have purchased um, earlier in the year. But I hope that Abby will always treasure this as a piece of memorial that she can take home and keep with her to remember today. But there's something else as well. In your bulletin, you will find this insert that gives you a chance to write a prayer for Abby. When the um, collection plate comes around, you can put these in there. And at the end of the service, Abby will receive all of these and take them home. And as she grows up, she'll have this memory of her church family um, 
writing blessings and messages to her on the day of her baptism. So everyone from now on we will um, experience this, but Abby, you get to be the first one. Uh, also an exciting uh, passionate worship development, um, at the nine o'clock service we're going to start having children's chapel on the second and fourth Sundays of the month. The second Sunday will be for kindergarten through second grade. The fourth Sunday will be for third through fifth. That's a feature we may add in this service at a later time, um, but we find that the majority of the families are um, volunteering and serving at that nine hour. Um, but we will be studying the things that happen in traditional worship, so I think that will be a nice thing um, to impart to kids um, all the different ways you can worship and how to use their Bibles. Um, we also strive to practice intentional faith development. Um, today was Promotion Sunday. We had a lot of excited kids, whether they were moving upstairs from K-5 um, for their first week in uh, Big Kids Sunday School or, or some that moved to youth as well, but that was a great success. Um, finally, we have a Spark House Children's Book Fair um, starting September 10th, but it is not too early to start shopping. Spark House is a publisher of Christian curriculum for children, and it's a great deal all around. The church gets 10 books. I got to choose the 10 that we could add to our children's library. Um, those will be on display, but there are many, many more titles available. Um, you can buy these books at a, a reasonable price and give them to children and grandchildren, and um, they are very good um, quality books. Um, and then when we um, finish, we get 20% of the proceeds towards our children's ministry program. So I hope you will look at that. Um, this is listed in the weekly emails too. You can look online or you can go up to the straight room in the children's section of the Family Life Center and the books are out on display and there are um, little uh, forms you can take to actually purchase the books. Um, that concludes my announcements. Thank you. We believe in extravagant generosity and part of that is giving our time and talent there's sheets on the inside edge of every pew. If you'd pass those sheets down, what they are is a description of many of the jobs that will be open in 2018. Our leadership team is looking at um, adding as many people as possible to our great leadership team so that we can um, keep you involved, we can spread out the responsibility among the most people. So I wanna do something I've never done before and I need to do it for the choir. Um, I need to, I want you to circle things that are interesting to you based on the description and the likelihood of the meeting times. We're trying to shift those around on Mondays to allow anyone to be able to come, uh, regardless of day or night. And circling an item does not obligate you to that item for the next 17 years. It, it simply expresses your interest in that item. Uh, our group will gather this list and work to, um, in many other ways, to get you as involved as possible in a realm of, uh, of our church that, that's interesting to you. The UMW, the United Methodist Women Fall Luncheon, is coming up, and they encourage you to use your attendance register to sign up for it, the same way we do with our uh, Wednesday meals. You can simply put your name and the number of people coming. That is got to be enough uh, for you to be able to retain. I'll turn it back over to Garner. Thanks for listening, and now let's turn to our first hymn, number 496.
Now let us affirm our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. And believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Our first scripture lesson this morning is from the 12th chapter of Romans, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is in showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please turn to page 39 in your hymnal. It's a special day today. Mason and Stephanie Smith are joining the church. Mason from the Presbyterian Church and Stephanie by what's called profession of faith, meaning that it's exciting to bring someone from another United Methodist Church in Houston It's exciting to bring someone from the Presbyterian Church that moves to Greer. When you add someone by profession of faith, there's one more accounted for Christian on this planet, which is exciting. And we also have a baptism of Abigail. So you'll see um, all those things in the liturgy that we read. I want you to pay attention to where we are. And there's elements where you affirm their commitment. You affirm their commitment in membership and you affirm their commitment in baptism. I'm going to combine those two things at the very end, and you'll see what we do. Page 39. Brothers and sisters in Christ, 
Through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Abigail Wright Smith for baptism. This is one of those few instances in which I'm already friends with the person because Abby and I are friends in chapel uh, during the week. I ask you both, on behalf of the whole church, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? We do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? You confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? Congregation, we now turn to you. Do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this family now before you in your care? Please join me in the thanksgiving over the water. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set into the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all the people. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and she who receives it, to wash away her sin and clothe her in righteousness throughout her life, that dying and being raised with Christ, she may share in his final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Abigail Wright Smith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I say.
and say hey to everybody? <laughs> so your parents made a promise and your family made a promise and we all made a promise. And we're going to try to live it out to the best of our ability, okay? We're going to all put our hands on you. I'm going to sit you right here. Abigail Wright Smith, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you all to turn back to page 38. <laughs> As members together with Christ's universal church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? As members of this congregation, Will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? So y'all remember after service, we have a new word there um, from the United Methodist Church. It's and our witness, as I said. Members of the household of God, I commend this family to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. The God of all grace, who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may live in grace and peace. And this is what I love about the United Methodist Church. Everyone affirms this promise with you. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. And I believe Aaron has a certificate for you. And if you would like to write a prayer in that insert, if you would like to write a message in that insert, whatever you would like to write, um, you're welcome to do so and you can put it in the offering plate. Yep. Um, we, it's our custom to sing a hymn number 611 and we're going to sing verses 1 and 3 together as you remain seated. Number 611.
Let us pray. Merciful Father, thank you for this day and this new week that you have given us. And thank you that with each new day comes new mercies. Help us this day to love each other in this church, to love our families, our co-workers, strangers, those that we get along with and those that we don't, and help us to love others unconditionally as you have loved us unconditionally. Help us not to doubt, and as it grows harder and harder to see you in all of our worries and on all of our troubles, help us to continue to look to you and remember your unfailing love. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. If you'd like to give in the offering plate as it comes by, feel free to do so. Or if you want to give online, there are instructions in your bulletin on how to do that.
Please be seated. Our hymns are always so appropriate for what we're doing with the scripture and the message as we talk about a foundation. Today, Peter says something incredibly important about Jesus, a thing that we as Christians may take for granted today. Looking back, we can say, of course, that person was who they said they were. But in the moment, for Peter to say what he says in this text and for the responsibility of being the rock to be placed on him, it's incredibly significant. And so we read today from Matthew 16, starting with verse 13, and it's found on page 1524 in your Pew Bible, or within a couple of pages of that. And if you'd like to read along, if you'll keep it open as I read one more section later. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the first phrase there, um, son of man, is an incredibly important statement. There's different ways that we refer to Jesus, but to refer to him as the son of man really emphasizes his humanity. And if we look back at Matthew and Luke at the birth narratives, we do see a mother who was a humble teenage girl who was simply going to get water. A father who was a potentially much older carpenter. A couple that was yet to be married and traveling. Born in the stable and on the run. Moved to a place called Nazareth without a glowing reputation. And an adolescence that isn't recorded in the Gospels. Which one of those elements to you sounds like one who was the absolute chosen one, the most significant human of all time? The description of his mother, the description of his father, where he was raised, where he was born. He was on the run from his very beginning, for his very life. So Jesus was not only human, he was subject to humans. Humans who, in some cases, wanted to grab him, in some cases, wanted to harm him, and in some cases, were simply curious about him. The very Son of God was risked with very common human beings who could have easily harmed him. And as he's grown, and as he's an adult, and as he's with his disciples, and they're going around Galilee, and they're hinting towards going towards Jerusalem... Jesus says to the, God, to the disciples, who do people say that I am? And there's three people there that are listed that are really significant prophets from the Old and the New Testament. And you know how when someone's coming up in a particular profession, we see glimpses of people that we've loved who've gone on or people who are active now, and we say, you know what, I see a lot of you in this person. I see a lot of your dad in you. I see a lot of this teacher in you. I see these qualities in you that are very similar. Sometimes we pigeonhole that person with those initial responses. 
But in many cases, we say, this is something special that I see in you, and I think we can continue to grow that thing. The first one mentioned was John the Baptist. John the Baptist was immediately connected to Jesus as a relative, but also in his time. Of the three, he's the only one. The big thing John the Baptist says is repent. He draws people out of their towns, out of their villages, out of their synagogues, out into the desert, and he says, y'all got to turn around. You aren't even close. And the closer I get to religious leadership, John the Baptist says, the further I see your progress in truly following what God says. Isn't that heartbreaking? John the Baptist says, repent. You picture Jesus saying that? Jesus said it so frequently. He drew people out of the synagogue so frequently. He said to the religious leadership, you are the furthest from what I would hope this would be. Second thing he says is Elijah. And man, Elijah liked to challenge authority. You know those friends of yours, those family members of yours, um, anyone in your life that you see, they're just not having it from authority whether it be parents, whether it be teachers, whether it be principals, whether it be ministers, whether it be coaches on a team, they have their own spirit. Elijah is challenged again and again by his political leaders embracing gods of surrounding ancient Near Eastern cultures. And he doesn't appreciate it. And he says it directly to them. And he challenges those religious leaders. And he wins in a way that threatens his very life. Does that sound like Jesus? Absolutely. The last of which is Jeremiah. Jeremiah saw a massive nation coming for his people. And he saw his people turning away and away and away from God and not paying attention And as he sees that massive massive nation consume them, he feels total brokenness and sadness for them, for God, for everyone. Just as Jesus is about to go to Jerusalem and about to see a foreign government who has a stranglehold on the system there and his religious leaders who are cowing to that uh, 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 Roman government. And Jesus will weep. He'll be sad. And so this man, born to a mother and a father who weren't significant in a place that wasn't significant, raised uh, as an adolescence that wasn't recorded, is now being compared to the heavyweights of prophecy. It's fascinating. Finally, uh, Peter says, you're the Messiah. The anointed one. The chosen one. And we love that phrase. We see the chosen one all over the place. When you see uh, someone who is uh, just entering a professional realm and you see all five skill sets that that professional realm needs, they barely need any training, and we say, wow, this person knows what they're doing. This is the chosen one in their realm, their profession. When Peter says that about a human Jesus of Nazareth, who we take for granted as a Messiah, he is saying something amazing because it has nothing to do with the established religious leadership of that time. 
He says he'll be a conqueror of nations, a deliverer of Israel, a worthy ruler of the people. That's what people expect from a Messiah. Someone who will take command, who will wield a big sword, who will go after the biggest and baddest person, a la um, David and Goliath, and claim our nation back. But from that point in the scripture, it changes. Verse 17, I'll repeat. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So you'd think, if we just declared that you're the Messiah, that you would be the one that we're all now going to rely upon. Jesus immediately says, Peter, since you realize that, and since you proclaimed it publicly, you're going to be the one that we build this church upon. You're going to be the rock. You ever see, um, you can go home and you can Google it, uh, a picture of all the popes who have ever been in the Catholic Church. And you'll see it's a good eight, nine rows. And the very first one is Peter. The very first one that this church was started upon was Peter. He says, you're going to be the rock. And to me, while they don't notice it, this is the first indicator that Jesus isn't going to be with them for all time like they figure he will be. This is Jesus saying, I'm handing this over to you. How many of y'all like to delegate an important task? You like to delegate the shopping, the grocery shopping to the one in the household that doesn't really know where anything is? where the salsa is or what kind of salsa to get or not to get that particular salsa to get the salsa and don't text me about what salsa you want I want you to know what salsa it is you ever give a really important task to a person on a board or agency and you think I hope this person can do it why do you think ministers struggle with that you know if there was a pie chart it might be, um, I want to control exactly what font and color you use. It might be, I don't want to burden you. It might be, I don't like asking people for things. It might be any number of things of why pastors struggle to give more away. But Jesus, when announced that he's the Messiah, immediately gives it away back to Peter a human. He says, you're going to have the keys to the kingdom. This is why there are all those cartoons of a pearly gate here and clouds behind it and Peter standing at a podium and someone approaching him as to whether that person can enter heaven or not. That's what people picture, right? When they think kingdom of heaven. 
I think it has to do with what follows what he says. What you think should be tightened will be tightened. What you think will be loosened will be loosened. What does he mean there? Well, there's all sorts of aspects of this faith. And, of course, our five practices are an excellent way to look at it. Some people emphasize one way more than they emphasize another. And we're at our best when we say, you know what, that's my particular emphasis. But I get that that's your emphasis and I like it. And I like that you're here and that we have counter skills. But man, when we look at one another and we say, you can't do this and that's the most significant thing. And so I don't know if you can be included. I don't know if what you do is important for the life of faith. And of course, it's these religious leaders build tradition upon tradition upon tradition upon tradition. And then all of a sudden, those traditions become the thing that matter rather than the message that's in the scripture. You've got real trouble. And so Jesus says to Simon Peter, whose former profession was what? Fisherman. He did not go to school for this. He does not have an associate's degree, an undergraduate degree, a master's degree. He does not have any degree in theology. And Jesus is handing this fisherman the keys to the kingdom of what will be tightened and what will be loosened. What do you think the people in the religious leadership who dedicated their entire lives to this practice think of that? Dumbest thing I've ever heard, they might say. He is giving it to a human. He's saying to a human, I'm giving you reign over what matters. You know what this human will do just in the gospel that we have recorded? Prior to this text, Jesus comes walking to them on the water in a storm. And Peter says, hey, if you call me out there, if it's you, I'll step on the water. And Jesus says, well, come on. And Peter steps out there. And then maybe takes another step. And then he looks around and he sees that he's how many steps from the boat. The storm's raging around him. And he's starting to wonder in his heart, wait, is this real? Can I really do this? And what happens? Sinks down in the water. Screams out to Jesus for help. This same Peter, when they go to Jerusalem and they're surrounded by soldiers who have come to get Jesus and take him to a trial, will take out a weapon and cut off a soldier's ear in deep anger that that soldier is threatening Jesus. This same Peter, as the parade is going by with Jesus with a cross, and they're standing a couple rows back from it, and they're watching it go by, someone will say to Peter, hey, you know him, right? Another person will say, no, I'm almost certain of it. I'm pretty sure you were a follower of him, right? I know it in my heart. You followed this man. And Peter will finally say what? Nothing to do with him. So a human being who sinks in the water, who cuts off a soldier's ear, who denies he ever knew Jesus, deals with things we deal with. Lack of focus. You ever hear about 25% of what a person said? Sometimes it's important what they just said. Sometimes it's important logistical information about what's coming up this week or where we're going in six weeks. And when that thing comes up again and that person says, hey, did you know this was happening? 
No, I never heard that. We talked about it six weeks ago. We lose focus. Sometimes we lose patience and we lash out verbally or physically or digitally. We lose patience with the ones we love. We lose patience with people at work. Maybe we love them too. We lose patience with people in our church and we react to them. Sometimes we don't have conviction. We might not outright say, no, I don't believe in this whole Jesus thing or church thing, but we might not mention it when it's not convenient. And we feel like we might be pushed to the outside by saying it. I'm not judging these things. Human, being, human beings deal with these things. Lack of focus, lack of patience, lack of conviction. We battle inconsistency all the time. Just as Peter did. But here's what's significant. God needs humans. God needs humans regardless of our weaknesses. In fact, if you look back and you Google some of the most broken people that have ever been in the Bible, they were called to some of the most important tasks out from the edges to significant places. God needs humans. God is eternally hopeful for our potential. God is eternally driven to press us beyond what we figure we are capable of doing. That's what's significant about the liturgy that we read during the baptism. We renew our covenant. That means at some point in the past, we said that covenant. And in between that day and today, we've lived out a part of that covenant. We've said as a church body, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate because we know in our hearts God needs us. God calls us. God believes in us to do his will. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand and join us for our last hymn.
welcome Mason, Stephanie, and Miss Abby. You're very cool. Thank you, Garner, for a tremendous summer. We appreciate your participation in our church life. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.